Church. We are here to help each other worship, live, and rescue like Jesus. For more info on who we are, go to cpmodesto.org. As you're doing that, I just want to remind you, uh, maybe if you weren't here last week or uh, you'd forgotten, which is valid, um, kind of how we're going to be doing the next several Sunday mornings um, is we're going to have a short time of sharing at the beginning to kind of open up uh, one of the values that we believe need to drive our church. We're in this, in this series, we're a couple weeks in of who we are and what we're doing. Really straightforward. We want to make sure that we are all on the same page about these are the things that guide us as followers of Jesus, yes, in a personal way, but also as the church, as our family here. And uh, it's one thing for someone to stand up here and to talk at everybody a whole bunch about that. It's another to have some kind of sense uh, or semblance of dialogue. And we really want to embrace that. And so um, we are utilizing a platform called Slido to do that. And what you can do is you can just scan that QR code and submit questions, maybe while I'm talking or maybe once the crew of people come up here to answer some questions. Um, we want to be able to have as much as possible with a group this size, somewhat of a two-way conversation. And so you can submit those. They can be anonymous or you can put your name on them. And uh, you can also upvote questions that you're like, yeah, I was wondering that too. Um, and it gets pushed to the top and has a greater chance of being answered. So I just encourage uh, you, as even I'm sharing for the next few minutes, to be sure to submit some of those questions so we can jump right into them once we get going. Um, and I think that'll be a really great time. Uh, so like I said, we're in the middle of this series. Last week, Travis kind of unpacked our first value, which is the value of church, us as the church, not just being a group of spectators or acquaintances, but instead really seeing each other as a family, which is a tall order, we know that. That was represented in a lot of the questions that came in. How in the world is that possible with such a large group of people? And uh, the, the, the panel of people kind of addressed some of those questions, really pushing us to not only see us here on a Sunday morning as family, but also recognizing that family can exist in smaller groups as well. Um, and how that, that just needs to be a value in our life. And we're just going to jump again right into uh, the second value that we think is really important as we continue to try to obey Jesus and we continue to try to function as Jesus intended his church to function. Travis said this last week, these are not new things. No one's getting cute trying to come up with new stuff. This is the stuff that has always been markers of the church. Some of them we've done well, some of them we have not. We need to make sure that these are guiding us as we move forward. So last week was Forever Family. Today, we want to get into the value that we're calling spiritual rhythms. Now, I know like right off the bat, you might be like, ooh, that sounds like kind of woo, like out there or a little new agey or like, is this mindfulness in the church or what? What are you talking about spiritual rhythms? And the reality is I know it might sound like a little bit of like an abstract term, but the idea of rhythms, it's not new to any of us. All of us have rhythms in our life, right? The most undisciplined among us have rhythms in our lives, right? Some of them come really naturally. Some of them we might not even know are rhythms in our life, but when we look at them, we realize that they are. And some of them we have to work pretty hard to, hard to accomplish, right? Maybe it's a rhythm of going to the gym. Maybe it's a rhythm of drinking a cup of coffee every morning. Maybe it's a rhythm of how we think of situations or even how we view people. They're, they're simply consistent patterns, 
That's what rhythms are. They're consistent patterns in our life. So what do we mean when we say spiritual rhythms and, and that that needs to be a value in our church? Here's a definition that probably isn't perfect, but I think is helpful for us. So if you want to write it down, go for it. Spiritual rhythms are consistent, and that's important, consistent personal and group practices. These are practices we do as individuals, even though we are not going to buy the American individualism faith lie, right? But there are there is relationship between us and Jesus that he died so that we can have with the Father, right? So there are personal practices and there are group practices in our larger family. But this is the point. They're not just practices. They're practices that help us become more intimate with Jesus. And there's that phrase again that if you've been coming to our church for a while, you've heard many, many times. Maybe you're wishing less times, but we're not gonna stop talking about it. Because at the end of the day, that is what is most important, that we as individuals and that we as a family are close to, know, and are intimate with Jesus. We've talked about this before. There's a massive difference between having a head full of facts about the person of Jesus and really knowing him. We cannot settle for a bunch of information. We have to, like like a dog with a bone, go after like real knowing of Jesus. So as cliche as it sounds, we need to be a church, need to be a church. If we're gonna be ready when Jesus returns, we need to be a church that is absolutely crazy about Jesus. A church that just cannot get enough of him. That before we start any kind of program or before we gain any kind of power or before we have any kind of reputation, before we get to work in any way, shape, or form, we need to get ourselves to the feet of Jesus to the point where if everything else went away, Jesus would be enough. If the band was gone, Travis and Lily all of a sudden were terrible at singing, the building burned down, all of our money got stolen by the government, and it actually would cost us to gather together to worship, that Jesus would still be enough. I cannot stand up here and say to you that that is always true of my heart, and I bet it's not of yours either. But that's what we need to go after. So, tall order, how do we do that? Um, What I'm about to read to you aren't every single practice that you could partake in, but these are ones that Jesus gave his followers in Matthew 6, and they're ones that we have talked about, and they're ones that we have focused in on here at our church. And uh, I mean, we could do a pop quiz, and I bet a lot of you would know exactly where this is going. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives us a few things, a few pathways to really knowing him, to really having true intimacy with him, a meditation on God's word that we consistently get to know God through the words that he has so blatantly put on the page for us to understand him through. Prayer, that we would have that constant two-way conversation, not just talking at God, but a two-way conversation between us and the Father, one of the ways that he invites us in to his purposes and his mission in the world. We have the practice of fasting that he gives us, that teaches us to deny ourselves, even the things that we need to recognize our greater need, which is him. The practice he gives us to starve the flesh, which scripture makes really clear is not what we wanna be about, and feed the spirit, which it makes clear that we do. In the practice of giving, that, that idea of pouring out our life. We, we just took communion where Jesus' life was poured out 
as, as the cup pours out the wine and as we model in his footsteps, our life is poured out through our resources, through our time, through our energy, through our talents, all the things that we have available to us. These are spiritual rhythms, and we'll talk more about them in the Q&A on positive, but these are spiritual rhythms that can exist on a personal level between us and God. We have the ability to pray one-on-one with us and God, to get to know him through his word. We have the ability to fast one-on-one with God and even to give up maybe some of our plans or some control or whatever it is. And we also have the ability to practice these things in the context of a group where we grow in our love for God through scripture together. And we pray together and we fast together. Megan and I did a Daniel fast with a number of other people at this church a little while ago. And, and we decided, my, my youngest daughter, Abby, 11, was kind of interested in it. And we were like, well, that's, I don't know, you, you're 11. Should you really be doing this? And she's like, I'd really like to try it. And she jumped in on this Daniel fast, and I, I never quite understood how powerful fasting in a group could be until I did that with the people here at the church, but also the people in my own household. It was a beautiful, beautiful picture of how a spiritual rhythm can exist in a group, and of course, giving as we give together. And we do all these things personally and in a group, and we do them on a consistent basis because a one-time thing is an act, but doing something over and over again becomes a habit, Right? So these are spiritual rhythms, and these are examples of spiritual rhythms, but I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about what or how right now, because I'm not sure if that's like our deep-rooted problem. We'll probably get into it in in the panel. But I have the sneaking suspicion that it's it's not that we don't know what to do. If you've been a Christian longer than like five minutes, you probably have heard something about this. If you haven't, we have made massive mistakes, right? Like we have all heard that a priority of scripture and prayer and denying ourselves and giving of ourselves are all important things. We've all heard it. It's not that we don't know what to do. It's that we aren't completely sold, if we're honest, that they're worth doing. We honestly say we want to know Jesus. I really do think we honestly say it. We want to know Jesus. We want him to be king. We want him to guide our lives. But man, life is busy and life is filled with other things. And these are the first practices to go. So it's not that we don't know what to do or even how to do it. This morning, I think what we need is to be reminded, maybe for the very first time, that there is really no other option if we want to do this thing right. If we want to be the church that when Jesus returns is ready to say, I'm ready for you, we have to make sure that this is paramount in our lives. These rhythms that lead to really knowing, having intimacy with Jesus. So with that in mind, I have one point in just a few minutes to unpack it. And it's this. Our problem deep down is supernatural. Our problem in here and the problem in the world at its base level is spiritual. It's supernatural. And if that weirds you out, sorry, it's the deal. (laughs) The whole thing hinges on someone coming back from the dead. So we just got to embrace some weirdness here. And supernatural problems require supernatural solutions. We live in a world that is really broken and everyone in this room knows that. There's great beauty in it, don't get me wrong, 
but it does not take much time looking around with eyes open to see people really hurting and then hurting each other, and people who are angry and manipulative and dishonest and divisive, and people are being taken advantage of, and people have a lot, won't give any to people who have little. There's suffering, there's disease, hatred, death. All of it is alive and well in the world in which we live. And in this world where everything that threatens us and seems to be against us seems physical in nature, right in front of our faces, we need to be reminded that the root issue, the real enemy, is spiritual. The real enemy is supernatural. Scripture is really clear about this throughout the entire thing, but if you're like me and a little slow on the uptake sometimes, you could use some explicit language about this. And Paul delivers on that. In Ephesians chapter six, this is probably a familiar passage to you. He says this, he's been addressing a bunch of issues in this church, and he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And here's where he lays it out. There's really no way to argue this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not inherently physical, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He makes it really clear. Our fight is supernatural in nature. So what do we need to do to stand? What do we need to do to make it? He tells us. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. After you've done, and after you have done everything, all these things he's about to say to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is familiar to most of us, right? Paul is telling us that if you want to stand against the supernatural problem in this world, these are the things that you need to happen. And I've heard this preached and I've heard this explained lots of times and it's always like this, that these are somehow some characteristics that exist outside of us that we reach out, we take, and we apply to our situation. We like add it to our setup. We grab some truth over here, maybe take an apologetics class or something so that we know how to tell people what's true. We learn how to behave the right way, so we grab the breastplate of righteousness over here so we know how to, to, how to behave the right way. We say a prayer one time, so we grab the, the helmet of salvation. We are the best at finding the verses the quickest, so we take the sword of the Spirit into our hand and we add it to our setup. And I'm not saying that there's anything inherently wrong with some of that, but I do think we're missing something here. That these aren't only things that we look at and learn and apply. These are a person. I never caught that until this time. Every one of these pieces of equipment are things that Jesus either said about himself or the writers of scripture said about him. The belt of truth. John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Breastplate of righteousness, 1 John 2, 1, says Jesus is the only righteous one. The feet fitted with the gospel of peace, Isaiah 9, 6, says Jesus is the prince of peace. The shield of faith, Revelation 19, 11, says Jesus is the one who is said to be faithful. The helmet of salvation, Jesus is our savior, Luke 2, 30. Simon, who didn't even know 
but really was sure the Holy Spirit told him he would see the coming Messiah, saw Jesus as a baby, and he's like, through this, through this child, salvation will come to all of us. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. John 1, the word was in the beginning. The word was with God and the word was God and everything's for him and everything's through him. What Paul is advocating here, and I think we need to pay attention to, isn't for us to grab a whole bunch of tools and accessories so that we can stand up and stand against. Although those aren't bad things. But instead, what is he saying? He's saying, clothe yourself in the person of Jesus. What do we need to stand firm? What do we need to deal with the supernatural problem in this world? To clothe ourselves with the person of Jesus, to be intimate with him, to be close to him, to know him. Jesus says it like this about himself, abide in me, which is a very churchy word, but it means stick with me, be with me, know me. John 5, or John 15, 5, he talks about that. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you stick with me, I will produce fruit in your life. That's as true for the modern church with all of our stuff and perks as it was for that ragged band of misfits that Jesus was talking to all those years ago. Stay close to me, period. But here's the problem. That is not as practical or controllable or manageable or observable as we want it to be. And so we tend to swap it out for something that feels more familiar, but in the long run is ineffective. We're using flesh and blood tactics to try to deal with the supernatural problem, and we have got to quit it. We swap it out for policymakers to make everybody else do the same things that we think people should do. We swap it out for organizational strategies, for the disease of effectiveness that is so rampant in our culture in this part of the world. We swap it out for something that looks really good on the outside, and that's the point. As long as the branding is good on the outside, it doesn't matter what it looks like on the inside, and it's absolutely rotten and, and, and hypocritical and disgusting on the inside. Scripture puts it this way. We exchange, we have the look of a form of godliness, but none of the power in it. And I just, wanna, I just want us to recognize that we cannot afford to do that as the church. Not the church moving into the, never, we should have never done this, but definitely not the church moving in to the future that God is leading us into. Because at the end of the day, we can get a lot of things, even good things, done on our own. I'm becoming more and more convinced that we cannot get any of the things Jesus wants done on our own. We have to surrender. We have to, in humility, pursue intimacy with Jesus. And this is why I think this is so, these spiritual rhythms, these pathways that he's given us is so important, even though we push them off to the side, because I don't think any of the rest of the stuff that we talk about is even possible without this being in order. I am not gonna look at you across the room and say, you are my family member. You are like a brother to me. I am not gonna do that unless I am experiencing intimacy with Jesus. I just doubt it's gonna happen. I'm not going to let the Spirit lead every conversation I have with boldness to share the gospel in every setting I find myself. I am not gonna do that unless I am intimate with Jesus, know how to hear his voice, am emboldened and convinced that he is worth it. And I sure as heck am not going to pay the cost when it starts to grow to do the things that Jesus has asked me to do unless I am close to him, I know him. So this seems simple, but this is paramount if we're gonna be the church that we wanna be. We have to 
get up earlier to spend time with him. We have to give up time to spend with him. We have to employ these rhythms into our life if we actually want to be the person and the church that Jesus wants us to be. The problem's supernatural. Let's start using supernatural solutions. All right, that's all I got to say about that. So I would like to bring... uh, Matt and Candace Baxter up to uh, the stage. We're going to be answering some of the questions that you have and giving a few practices uh, that can, can exist for us as individuals, as personal practices, as well as some practices uh, that, that we're working on as a whole church. And I think it will be really great to, to dive into that. So welcome, guys. Yeah. Um, I want to uh, remind us as we're going through this... Um, for almost a year, we talked about intimacy with Jesus here at Cross Point. Um, we went through Matthew chapter six. We talked through um, meditating on Scripture. We talked about prayer. We talked about fasting. We talked about giving, and we walked through that stuff. Um, we are we are coming back to that because. And here here's the thing. Um, I have grown up in a context where the bar is really low of expectation and commitment when it comes to my time with Jesus. How many of you maybe grew up in a context where the, the, kind of the, the goal was, you know, like 15 minutes in the morning with Jesus? That's the goal. And m- many people can't even get there because of the busyness of life. Here's the thing. If we practice intimacy with Jesus for 15 minutes in the morning, I will never have the heart of God or the mind of Christ because the rest of the day, I'm being hit by all kinds of other influences and that's not enough. If you're married, what if you spent 15 minutes every day with your spouse and no more? Would that, would that be a worthwhile relationship? <laughs> and so this isn't, this isn't a shame thing. This isn't a, you know, anything like that. But I, I think that it, it's, it's super important that we recognize this. And, and the reason we are doing this this way and having uh, a shorter time of talking and uh, a time of questions in that, because here's, here's the thing that I want us to catch. Um, I absolutely believe God is doing something significant in the world today, and I want to be a part of that. And here's the thing with the church. In, in the past, and this isn't bad, but what, got, what has gotten us here today, I don't believe is going to get us to the moment where Jesus calls us home or he returns in a way that we are faithful and we are vibrant the way God describes his bride, his church. And, and so what I'm saying is this, is that um, I don't believe that, that casting a vision for our church is what God wants for us because God, I don't believe, is telling us exactly what the future looks like. But I believe what God is doing is he's calling us to recognize his values and those values of church is family, the kingdom of God is family, that we must be committed to spiritual rhythms 
And as we look through these, these values, the values are the guardrails to keep us on the road to where God is going and what he's doing. The values will help us to remember who we are and who we're called to be, and they will get us there where God is going. And for me, there's been a few things in my life that, that God has really worked on lately. And here's the thing, am I going to spend my time defending what I've done versus recognize what God is doing and wanting to be a part of that. And so that's why we are taking time and especially to help bring clarity in questions and that kind of thing. And so, so, we, so we want to do our best in, in, in helping us get to this place where, where we know Jesus more than we know each other, when we're, we know Jesus more than we know ourselves. And that's only going to come if we, if we obey. And so the first question that, that we have, um, how do you draw the line to keep spiritual rhythms from becoming issue of legalism? I mean, I'll, I'll jump in on that. I, I think that it comes down to the, the why. Because um, if, if what we're doing is we're checking boxes because somebody up here said that we needed to, that is legalism. But... I don't ever think, it's easy to, for, for me to think about like my relationship with Jesus. It's not perfect, but there's overlap with like my relationship with the other person I love most in my life, which is my wife, right? And so if I'm intentional about how I spend time with her, I never once ask the question, am I just doing this out of legalism? What a, what a dysfunctional question that would be, right? And to ask, but it's so easy for us to, and I'm, I'm right there with you. It's so easy for us to apply that to our relationship with God but I never think of what I do in my relationship with Megan as legalism because I love her. And I think the same is true with our relationship with God. If, if we can pull back the layers enough to say the reason I'm doing this is because I want to know you better, not because I'm doing it to check a box or because I feel like I'm supposed to, but because you're worth it, I think that does a great, uh, a great deal of, of dealing with that uh, that question of legalism. Yeah. And actually, legalism often is thrown around when I don't want to do something. Because legalism is actually, uh, is the mentality that by doing good works or obeying God's law, I will earn merit or salvation. That's what legalism is. Oftentimes, I think I will use legalism to not do something that I don't want to do, whether it is something I should or shouldn't do. Um, and, and so I think we have to be careful when we, when, when we are doing what we kind of want to do versus what God's calling us to do. And, and I, I don't know that I personally, and maybe you are, I don't know if I'm ever in danger of doing too much prayer or too much fasting or too much reading of scripture that it's going to get something that like, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing, doing with no, no heart or soul. Um, I, I don't know that that's the case. I think I, I, I think it's a, for many of us, it's a far cry for a spiritual rhythm. Now, now we can be jerks about it. And what I mean by that is if I say, hey, I have this rhythm of fasting in my life. And if you don't, you don't know Jesus as well as I do. That's not legalism. That's just being a jerk. <laughs> I mean, pure and simple. And I realized as I started, 
I know Candace, and Candace has been up here before, but I didn't introduce Candace. So we do need to take a second, and Candace, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Um, sorry for not doing that. I just, I just, um, I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> I know most of you guys anyway. Uh, I'm Candace Baxter. I've been here at Cross Point almost 12 years, I think, and um, married, have two kids, love Jesus. That's a great summary. And I think the next question is a, like a perfect question for you to jump in on, Candace. And it's if, if these rhythms are not a part of our daily lives, where do you suggest we start? Oh, just, just try it. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, most of you know I shared up here a couple months ago about fasting, and I never practiced that before. And um, we learned that it brings intimacy with Jesus, so I wanted to do it. Um, to me what I believe, the point of life is just Jesus. It's nothing else, and so it's worth it to give it a try. Um, so I did, and it took some time to feel like it was really benefiting me, but um, about four months into it, I had a cool experience where I felt the Lord just totally with me. I just felt like kind of full of the Spirit and not full of myself, um, and He just led me for a long time, um, it was like two weeks that he just like led me in everything that I said and stopped me from saying things that I shouldn't. And that was a really cool experience to um, just to have and to see that he's faithful and I could trust his timing. I'm not sure why it took that much time to feel like it was working, but um, it was definitely worth it. And even reading your Bible, I feel like sometimes that doesn't work until it does. Um, and I've experienced that where like, I really love Jesus and I want to know him more and I just wanna live for him and honor him. And um, like, my flesh isn't like that, but like my heart's desire is that. And so even if you just step in and start reading your Bible, um, you could start anywhere. Proverbs is great, John's great. Um, I've been reading Proverbs lately and it really helps, um, it's really timely. Like I've had times where I'm reading the Bible and um, maybe I'm struggling with someone being really rude to me and I don't wanna be nice back. And then I read this verse in Proverbs about how my, your kindness will reward you and your cruelty will destroy you. So I'm like, oh, okay, thanks, Lord. Like I needed that reminder because my flesh does not wanna be kind. Um, so if you just, just start and you're gonna see fruit and you can, don't give up either, I would say. Yeah. Um, just a follow up to that. Um, you have how many kids? Two. How old are they? Five and two. Okay, and Tommy, your husband works? Yes. And you also have a job? Yes. Just hearing that, I think the conventional wisdom would be, well, how does Candace have time to, to, to practice these things? And, and how do you fit reading your Bible? And how do you fit prayer? And how do you fit all of these things in together? And you've got lots of responsibilities and, and even fasting. You're probably tired and all that. Why in your season of life, which is a pretty busy season, why do you pursue these things in spite of how hard it is to do it? I need him. Um, I need Jesus badly. Um, especially in that season, you know what I mean? Um, I have became a morning person um, because I like to read in the quiet, not when the kids are awake or anything like that. So um, yeah, I just need him so much and so I put in the time, I guess, early. And yeah. 
I think I think one of the things we have to always reframe is this: Is Jesus worth making hard decisions? Is Jesus worth our perseverance? When, when maybe I'm not getting as much out of Scripture as I want to, maybe uh, prayer feels like trudgery, is, is my relationship with Jesus worth that? And, and I think we can find all kinds of reasons, all kinds of moments to say, I'm going to let this slide, I'm going to let this go because I'm too busy. Um, but I think like what you said, you, you need Jesus. You recognize you need Jesus and we love Jesus. And that's just bottom line. Yeah, I, I think it's just interesting. Everything you've said so far, Candace, all comes back to motivation. Like, you love Jesus, you recognize your need for Jesus, which is what it has to be led with. Because we, let's just be real, we live in a world where we can take care of ourselves most of the time. We just do. It's a reality. So for us to change, like, some of that motivation to recognize I'm, I like, I am desperately sunk without Jesus. It's like, man, an hour less sleep a day is not a big deal after that. Um, a, a rearranging of my time and energy yeah. to make sure that I have relationship with the one I know I so desperately need, it's totally worth it. It's just everything in our life is set up to say, no, it's not that, it's not that necessary. Yeah. I just wanted to, um, I thought of this as you're talking, but... Um, we can get really busy and there's hundreds and millions of things that we could put before that. But like, there's a verse that came to mind about just seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and then he'll take care of the rest. And so sometimes I don't think I have time to make dinner or that's just a random example, but sometimes I have time for all these things, but that's not important. The important thing is seeking him and he'll handle the rest. And if you're fasting, you don't have to make dinner. True. Um, yeah. Win-win, uh, win-win. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how do we keep the rhythm authentic and intimate and not just routine? Um, which is a great kind of follow-up to that. Um, you know, I, I, I think that how do you keep anything in your life from becoming just inauthentic and routine? And routine? Um, when, you're, you're, when you believe deeply, you are passionate about it, and you, you tend to mix things up if you, if you really value those things. You know, for me, I have always said, and I am, I am so not a morning person, I am not a morning person at all. And I hate, I, for a long time, I didn't even know that, there, that five o'clock came around twice in a day. So um, I, I hate mornings. <laughs> um, that was really bad, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Um, I have a hard time praying and I have a hard time getting up in the morning. Since the middle of 2020, and this isn't a brag because it is all the Holy Spirit, but since the middle of 2020 till today, I'm at the church in the point at 6.30 in the morning praying with a group of people. And that has become one of the most incredible moments of my week. Um, on Thursdays for the last year, I've been here at the church at 6.30 with a group of five high school boys praying and doing discipleship. Um, those are spiritual rhythms, and those are spiritual rhythms at a time that I do not want to do spiritual rhythms. <laughs> 
but I have found them so life-giving and authentic, and they have not become boring. In fact, with that group of guys, we decided that we would meet every other week, but we've been meeting every week because it's worth it. Uh, I, I just think you, we have to just say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things that are hard for me to do, and I'm going to do things maybe in ways that I don't normally do them, and God's going to make them so worth it. It will blow your mind. I, I ran across a statement in a book I read uh, recently. Uh, it's called, it's called uh, Pray Like Monks, Live Like Fools, which is if you want just something to inspire your prayer life, pick it up. It's real good. Um, but he kind of talked about, he, he said this phrase, he said, fidelity is kind of boring. And his, his, his whatever point behind all that is, you know, when you think of a relationship, like there's big, big moments in any relationship, but there's a bunch of really long stretches in between those big moments of just fidelity, like just keeping true to what you know is right. And he's like, and sometimes that's kind of boring, but that's what makes up a lot of a relationship. And so I don't know... I don't know if we need to be so worried about it becoming a routine in, in the sense that routine is not a bad thing. Um, and maybe we just need to look at it a little differently. Like, yeah, maybe I am being faithful to what Jesus has asked me to do by getting up early every day and I hate it every time, but he's worth it and I know that that's true. Like, that's just me practicing fidelity to Jesus because I know that he's worth it. So I think, I think sometimes we like build it up to this thing where it's like, I'm going to try fasting this time and everything's going to change for me. When the reality is it's like, it's a step of obedience and God is always going to use these things, always. But at the end of the day, that's not why we're doing them. We're doing them because we want to be close to him. And I think that that's just something uh, that was big for me when, when I ran across that. Yeah. Anything to add? All right. Um, are we commanded to fast? And if we don't, is it a sin? Um, as I said, we, we talked through, I think we spent three weeks on fasting. Um, I don't know, maybe within the last year. Um, but but uh, in, in Matthew 6, I would encourage you to read Matthew 6 this week. Read Matthew 6 and look at the assumptions of Jesus. Jesus says, when you pray, when you give when you fast. Jesus assumes we practice those things. It's an assumption that Jesus makes. Uh, fasting is part of what Jesus assumes his people to do. Now, here's the thing. As we talked, and, and, and maybe, maybe this week we can put those back those resources, those messages about fasting uh, and remind people where they are. But one of the things that we wanted to communicate then and now is this that there, there are reasons why a person would not fast. Probably not as many as we use, <laughs> but there are reasons a person would not fast. And for some people, it would be, it would not draw them closer to Jesus and it would not be beneficial for them to fast. Um, so yeah, it's not an issue of, uh, uh, you know, we're commanded to fast and if you don't, it's a sin. Um, the reality is, that uh, Jesus, it is an assumption, just like prayer and giving and reading scripture. Um, I think the big thing is this. We know a lot. And I think one of the things that I'm pretty, pretty confident of is especially because here in America, in the Western church, we have such access to God's word, 
Bible studies, commentaries, education. We here in the West are educated way beyond our level of obedience. We know way more than we obey. And if we could just back down and come to a place of saying, you know what? I'm going to take prayer seriously. I'm going to take fasting seriously if that's a healthy thing for me. I'm going to take giving and I'm going to be generous, not just to solve problems, but to become closer to Jesus. I'm going to read scripture and I'm not going to move on from the scripture I'm reading until I've obeyed it. Um, That would be a world-changing thing for us. Candice, that reminds me of that story you told me earlier this morning. And I know you were like, I don't even know if I want to share it, but it kind of seems like you should. And, uh, but it's like a perfect example of like you stepped into this rhythm and then you had the opportunity to obey what God said. And spoiler alert, she did. But uh, I, I think it'd be really beneficial for us to hear that. Yes, okay. I think so. Um, reading the word is probably the hardest spiritual rhythm for me. And um, I work really hard at doing that, but um, so anyway, in the, this last year, I've been able to be much more consistent, and there is this day that I read Proverbs 28, and um, one of the verses says, better to be poor and honest than to be dishonest and rich, and it really stuck with me um, in my heart and brain, so I highlighted it and moved on with my day later, you know, um, and I don't remember if it was the same day, but it was definitely the same week. If not, I got my paycheck. Um, and I was like, oh, I got overpaid. Um, I, it was kind of a pay period that my hours were not normal. And so, um, I was like, oh, okay, I got paid four hours of overtime. That should have been regular time, not time and a half. So, okay, cool. And then a moment later, I'm like, oh, dang, I need to be honest about that and go tell the payroll clerk. And I did not want to. And, um, it was also a month that our budget was the lowest and our expenses were like the highest. So I really felt like I needed this extra time and a half, four hours, which is not even a lot of, like not even a big amount. So I kind of wrestled with it. Um, But then I kind of had this realization like, well, why am I reading the Bible? These are words from God if I'm not gonna obey them. And so, okay, I'll go obey. So I go talk to the payroll clerk and I said, hey, you overpaid me. I should have got, these should be regular time, not overtime. And she's like, oh, okay, let me look into it. And a few minutes later, um, she goes, Candace, I actually short paid you four hours overtime. And I was like, what? No. And so she shows me. So I guess I just double checked originally wrong. Um, so I was like, oh, really? So she's like, yeah, I'll add those four hours of overtime to your paycheck next week. And so really, in the end, I got paid more than had I, not, had I disobeyed and not said I would have actually got paid less than I was owed. And so it's kind of a cool, I felt like God really said, okay, good job, Candace. Thank you for obeying. I'll see you again. (laughs) You get another chance to obey later. But it was really, it was really sweet. It was really cool. And it was hard to obey. I'm thankful I did. Um, Even if I didn't get paid more, I think I would have been thankful that I did. But it was cool that he like rewarded that. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I was remembering like, okay, I want to be faithful with a little so I can be faithful and trusted with a lot. So that was a cool experience. That is really cool. That is really cool. There are some great questions. And um, what we're going to do, we did this last week, but we're going to try and answer some of these other questions. 
and we'll put them out on Facebook and social media and that kind of thing during the week. Um, but I, wanna, I, wanna, I do want to get to uh, some practices because, again, um, practices are part of our obedience. Um, and, and so the things that we've talked about, that if, you're, if you've been here for any amount of time, um, the spiritual practices, these spiritual rhythms of reading Scripture. Here's the thing. If the only time that you hear from God through his word, or if you bank on hearing from God through his word on Sunday morning, I I don't know that that can make a difference. Can it make a difference? Sure, you can hear something, but, but if you're not personally, individually, and even with others, in the word of God throughout the week, God did not intend us to be in his word once a week. I mean, David says, I meditate upon your word every day and night. Um, So what you and I, we have to have a spiritual rhythm of, of meditating on the word. You and I have to have a spiritual rhythm of prayer. I believe, and I've come under a conviction that I need to have a spiritual rhythm of fasting. Um, and, and again, that's going to look different for different people. Um, I believe and am under conviction that I have to have a spiritual rhythm of giving and generosity. Um, and so those things are things that you and I are responsible for to Jesus Christ. We are responsible for that. And so if, I, if I'm like, man, I'm starving, I, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed, I think you may need to start at home because there's people in the world who have the richest, deepest relationship with Jesus who've never heard a sermon on the Bible because it's not available to them. But they are the fullest of the Spirit because they have these spiritual rhythms of pursuing Jesus and loving Jesus like that. And so I think when it comes to spiritual rhythms, I am the most ridiculously responsible person for that in my life. Now, there's a corporate piece of this. Like I said, one of my favorite moments of the week is Tuesday mornings with a group of people praying. Um, here's, here's, what I, here's a new thing that we want to do, um, a new thing that we want to invite the church into. Um, we, we believe that, that prayer is so important. You look through the Bible, the book of Acts, the early church, every time the believers come together, the primary thing they do is they pray and they read scripture. But they are always in a posture of prayer every time we see them gathered together. So here's what I, I, would, I, I would love for, to see the, 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 the family of Crosspoint become. I want us to become a church of houses of prayer. Imagine for a second if there were people in our church who prayed through it and landed at a conviction that they wanted to have their homes open as houses of prayer for the the family that God has gathered here together. And that throughout the week, whether it's regular times we come together or it's, it's crisis that hits, 
that we know that we need to bring God's people together in prayer. And there are people in this church who have designated their houses as the place to go. Not necessarily that we all come to the church building, but we go to each other's houses. Whether we know those people or not, but we know they have a house of prayer here associated with Crosspoint, and they go. And so here's, here's, what, I'm, here's, what, I, here's what a group of us have talked about. I would ask those of you who say, you know what, that sounds, that sounds like something that I'd want to do. I want my house to be a house of prayer. And so I would ask you to maybe pray about it this week. And if God leads you to a place to open your home as a house of prayer here with Crosspoint, then email us at equipping, um, at equipping dot, what is, what is the email? Equipping at cpmodesto.org. At, I couldn't think of at. It'll be but on, anyway. it'll be on a, stuff But, but here's, here's, here's what, what, what this is, is that, that there would be places, houses, homes in our community, in our church, that, that we have opened up, and, and that maybe it's, for example, it's let's say, let's say this Wednesday we say, um, hey, we want to have a time that our church prays on Wednesday. So from 12 to 1, ideally lunch hour, go to one of the houses of prayer and just show up and spend that time praying together. And maybe there'll be some specific things to pray about. Maybe it's just gathering together to seek Jesus in prayer. Or maybe something happens in the world around us, maybe in our community, maybe globally, and we, call, we send out a call to go to those places. And those people who have hosted their houses of prayer, all they have to do is open their homes and that we go. There's a few things that happen there. One, we become a, a very much a corporate praying church. Number two, we start to meet and, and visit family members within our church that maybe we wouldn't walk in those circles, but those, that house is closest to where we work. That house is closest to where we live. Does that make sense? Does that, are you getting kind of the image of what that may look like, that, that we become a, a church that is built on houses of prayer? Jesus says himself, my, my father's house is a house of prayer. And, and I think when we come together on Sunday mornings, it's good, we gather, but how much do we pray together on Sunday mornings? It would be awesome if God lays it on your heart to say, you know what, I think I want to open my home. I, I talked with somebody about this recently, and um, uh, I was talking to this couple, and he was so excited about this. He said, I am all about this, and in fact, I'm good with somebody coming to my house at like one in the morning, and I will wake my wife out, and she will go out and pray with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know if that's the direction we want to go with this, but... Um, like, man, what if, what if that was the gospel community that we were? So if, if that's something God lays on your heart and you want to be part of that network that we're building, then email equipping at cpmodesto.com.org. I'm terrible. I'm a nightmare. Anyway, um, um, do that, and, and, and I will get back with you um, because my God has placed this on my heart, and um, man, I think God can do an incredible work with a people who invest, invest themselves that way. Um, any kind of closing thoughts from you guys? Uh, just, just that, hey, we can, just, we can walk out of here and immediately jump into this stuff. And, and if you fail today, try it again tomorrow. And if you fail tomorrow, try it again the next day. 
because Jesus is so, so worthwhile. I think that this just has to be foundational as we move forward. Anything, Candice? Kind of. Um, Do it. I just want to say, if you're considering fasting, maybe just pray about it if God wants you to and listen to him because I would guess the answer is yes, but um, really just seek him out on that and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Go out and do what God calls you to do. <laughs> um, don't, don't let us be characterized as a people who are more educated than our level of obedience. Let's be a people who are educated and our obedience matches that education, even exceeds it. Um, not for the sake of being right or being obedient, but for the sake of knowing Jesus better. That is so vital, so vital. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for today. So often we come to you in prayer as a bookend, as a preparation of something, but God, I, I ask that you help us to more deeply step into the calling that you've placed on us. God, you are working in phenomenal ways. Um, I pray that you'd help us to have eyes to see it. And God, I know that we will not be prepared to step into what you're doing if we are not intimate with you. So God, I pray that you, we would allow you and we would do the things that open our lives up for you to do a deeper work in us so we can participate in a wider work with you, that we would be serious about that. And God, I thank you for those in this room who are examples to me in prayer and uh, commitment and um, in humility and in uh, in giving and in fasting and, and, and students of your word, those who learn and learn no matter what age they are. God, I thank you for those examples in this place that, that I see and have motivated and encouraged me to draw closer to you. So God, may we please you with our lives and how, God, how we chase after you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, I think uh, most of you know Kyle and myself, Matt, and uh, I'd like uh, Candace to introduce herself to us. Hello, um, I'm Candace Baxter, and I've been here at Crosspoint almost 12 years, um, and I am married, and I have two daughters, five years old and two years old. Um, I really love Jesus, and um, really actually love talking about what he's doing and stuff like that, so I'm excited. Cool, thanks. Um, as we get into questions, there's some great questions. Um, as we get into this, again, the reason we're doing what we're doing these the, during this, this time, this series, is because God is working and we want to help with clarity of who we are and what we do. And I think the reason we are unpacking these values is because these values are what keep us on the path that leads to where God is taking us. Um, these values all come together. Now, they're not separate, distinct things, but they all connect with each other. And so 
um, we, we spent probably a year talking about intimacy with Jesus and talking through these practices. Um, but we still, in human nature, have a hard time actually doing the very things that God calls us to do to grow closer to him because in a lot of ways, we don't see the movement in those things the way we see the movement in like building a house. Um, but we are building a house. It's a house that's inside and it's changing dramatically. And so, so we wanna get to the questions. Um, the one that is uh, at the top right now is, uh, I've seen practices as seasonal. I can't do X right now because of Y, but that doesn't seem to be true. How do you balance season with calling? I think I understand this question. I think I think um, I think I think what we're trying to get at is this is how I'm interpreting it. And if you ask the question and you want to clarify if I'm completely wrong, um, you are welcome to. I think it's the idea that um, that that these spiritual practices, these rhythms, these disciplines, we tend to do for a time, and then we don't do others for a time. And uh, it seems like they're saying that doesn't seem to be true, that maybe you can do all of those things. How do you balance season with calling? Does that make sense? Does that? Yes. Great. <laughs> this is the best. Perfect. Thank you. Okay, that is excellent. That's a great question, and I do a terrible understand understanding questions, apparently. Um, no, so yeah, so that, those are great examples. Um, so if, if you didn't hear that, um, the example of, like, if you're, uh, if, if you're pregnant and you should, <clears throat> if you're pregnant, you shouldn't be fasting. Uh, so you wouldn't do that during that time. Or maybe you uh, have, you know, like a bunch of little kids and everyone's working in your house and all that kind of stuff. Um, and during that season, how, how do you do? And here's what I would say to put as an umbrella over this. We are called and there is no excuse not to be pursuing Jesus, intimacy with Jesus. There, there's no point. That's just a matter of priorities. Um, we are called, if, we, if we've been forgiven and restored by Jesus, we are called to pursue him and pursue intimacy with him. Um, Candice, can you describe your life? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I, like I said, I'm a mother, so I have two little ones. Um, I also have a full-time job. Ages? Oh, yeah, five years old and two years old. More like almost, almost so six So they're pretty much self-sufficient. They are so not. <laughs> so. Yeah, you just point them in a direction <laughs> and they go. And yeah. they're, they're a lot of work um, and tiring. Mm -hmm. um, they also bring a lot of joy. But yeah, it's a busy season, definitely. Yes, okay, definitely. so so two kids that age, uh, and Tommy works and mm -hmm. you work. Yeah. And you have all of those things. And yeah. you're independently wealthy? <laughs> no. So, yes. So, so here's the thing. Um, so, like, your life is full. And, I, and I, think that there, I think that there are those things where, again, I think that that example of pregnancy and fasting is a great example. That would not be a good idea 
to fast during that time. That would be unwise. Um, but then we look at, and I think no matter who we are, we all feel like our lives are busy. And, and they are, arguably. Um, how do you then, with all that stuff, I don't, I don't have two little kids and all of that stuff. And I'd say, like, what you described, I'm tired listening to you. And so um, what, do you do? what do you do to continue to do these practices that are a part of your life and these spiritual rhythms? Yeah. Um, well, so I, a lot of you probably know I fast because um, I got to share about that a few months ago. And I fast once a week. Um, and I've also found just the spiritual rhythm of reading my Bible, the Word of God, is really um, important to me. And so I've become a morning person. Um, and I like to have quiet alone time with the Lord before the little ones wake up. Um, so that's kind of how I make sure that I pursue Jesus um, early in the morning. And really that scripture a lot of times helps me throughout the entire day because um, God is so good and faithful that he'll show me something in the Bible that little did I know I'm gonna experience something later where I needed that truth. Um, and I would like to say too, I know what it's like to not pursue God and to think that I can do everything on my own and to think that I look good and like to put on a fake show. Um, I've lived that life before and it's just not, not good. Um, I think God has really just given me so much like joy, like that verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I feel like that's just so true of me now um, and that it's just worth it. It's just 100% worth it. Um, he's never like left me alone. He's never like failed me and I know he won't. And so I just know that he's worth it and um, he's the whole entire reason for life. And so I just want to um, know him more and have intimacy with him. And this last, I've been fasting for about a year now and it really has grown my intimacy with him. Um, in just a couple amazing ways. One thing is I think he's really given me eyes to see what he's doing. Um, and I hear him in a different way than I have most of my Christian walk um, in this last year. And it's really encouraging. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say this. Um, I think it is hard because the urgency of everything around us but what we, I think what all of us have to do, and, it, and again, I don't think it's easy, we have to make decisions and say, you know what, this is the best thing I can do, and I have to make choices to let go of other things. There's things that I can't let go, like you can't let go of taking care of your kids. Um, but there's other things that I may think I don't want to let go of because I like those things a lot, because I don't really see my direct momentary benefit happiness from praying, spending time praying. Um, and I grew up in the context of, of the bar being pretty low on prayer of kind of like, okay, just if you just spend 15 minutes in the morning with Jesus, that's what we're going for. I can guarantee this. I will not have the heart of God or the mind of Christ if I spend 15 minutes in the morning with Jesus and that's it. It's not going to happen. Like, what if, what if, what if you're married and have a spouse and you spent 15 minutes in the morning with your spouse and that was it? That is not a great marriage. <laughs> um, that's not gonna work. Um, yeah, so I think it's hard. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that and then we can keep going is just, I mean, the point of these rhythms isn't the rhythms. It's not like 
they're not an end to themselves. The point is deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus. And yeah. so I, I know I'm a, I'm a terribly practical person. It's even hard for me to, to wrap my head around some of the stuff still sometimes. But it's like, it's not A, B, C equals whatever. It's not formulaic. It's about a deep, loving, desperate relationship for Jesus. But these are the ways he's given us to do it. And so we need to do it. Yeah. How do you tell when the Holy Spirit is calling you, or is it my own thoughts I'm hearing to pray with others? I love this question. I'd like to answer it. Go for um, it. <laughs> um, it's hard to know sometimes, honestly, but what I found in my life is the more I seek him out and you know, the more time I spend with him in the word, um, there's several thoughts that I have that I think, oh, I think that's the Holy Spirit, but I don't really know. But what I do is um, ask, okay, well, who's this glorified? Does that make me look good? Mm. Or does this glorify God? Like, what's the motive here? Is there any motive for my gain? And um, if the answer is no, then just do it anyway. What if it isn't God? But, yeah. you know, so actually I had something this week, random, but I was leaving the gym and I really felt the Lord say, go take this person to Starbucks to their front door. And I'm like, okay, I think that might be the Lord. I don't really know. That's pretty like insignificant, but I kept feeling like that thing. So I called Tommy real quick and I just said, hey, do you care if I do this? I think maybe God is telling me to do it. And he's like, no, that's fine. <laughs> so Tommy, I was going to say, like, yeah. no, sorry. I don't you think you should do that, that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but really, there's a lot of thoughts, and so I think if you just kind of question, well, does it glorify God, then do it. Who cares if it wasn't the Holy Spirit? I would agree with that. Like, I, I mean, if you pray for someone and maybe the Holy Spirit didn't throw that idea in your head, where did you go wrong? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's, the, I mean, what if, what if God's people did that? Like, what if, what if we didn't hesitate when we saw something and we prayed for them or it. And there's just a bunch of stuff that's just really clearly laid out in scripture too yeah. that we can count on. Like if we feel like we need to do something, maybe care for a need or something like that, it's like, okay, well, scripture's really clear about that. I'm pretty sure I can trust my instinct on this. And I don't think this is part of this question because I think this, this question is, I think feels super genuine and it's a, it's a great question. Separating that from that, I think a lot of times... I have found myself, and I think a lot of times maybe we tend to say, is the Spirit calling me to do this when Scripture has clearly said, just do this? Um, and sometimes whether or not the Spirit's calling us to do it is almost a way of getting out of doing something that Scripture is pretty clear we just do. Um, yeah, so uh, the next question um, what first step rhythm would you encourage someone to practice if they are feeling burnt out on doing and simply want to hear from Jesus? Uh, my first thought um, is that rhythm of prayer, but not the, I go to God and I download a list of things that I kind of want done or my issues or whatever, but that, that other part of the conversation, which is the listening part. Um, that's been big for me. Um, not a big fan of awkward silences. I've learned to grow in that as time has gone on. But uh, even just being willing to sit for a while and just say, Lord, I'm just like willing to hear what you want to say to me. Um, it, it forced me to stop what I was doing. It forced me to turn my attention to him. But it also 
shut my mouth up so I wasn't like clouding up the, the space, you know, with, with what, what I was saying. Um, and that was like, I don't know, I, I find that very, very refreshing. Yeah, I think there's that prayer of Thomas in the Gospels of, Lord, help my unbelief, which I think can be also applied to, Lord, help me just hear you. Lord, help me, help me experience you. I think it is so easy to be burnt out on all of those things. I, I would even, I would suggest, if, if you're burnt out and you're kind of like, I don't even know where to start and I just want to hear from Jesus, grab two people who you trust and you know that their relationship with Jesus is real and just, and this is a commitment, make time, get together with them at a, at a, a regular duration and just pray together. And you don't even have to pray. Just sit and be with Jesus and those two people and let them pray with you, let them sit with you, see what God does. Um, we were just Thursday, was with a group of people and um, we had a bunch of business to do, but we spent some time praying and it was, it was unbelievable. It was just incredible to be simply in the presence of Jesus for a little while with a group of people and it was, it was amazing. Um, yeah, so just take a step. And if you need help from others, don't be shy. Ask for help. Yeah. yeah anything to add, Candice? That? I just feel like a first step that came to mind for me would just be reading the word, but I don't know if that's what you're burnt out on. Um, sometimes, like, reading the Bible feels like it's not helpful for a while, but I would encourage you to keep doing that. Like, those are the words from God. And so um, I've been there where it feels like I'm not really learning or I don't feel like I'm growing closer to God, but um, don't quit because, um, well, from my experience, it's worth the, the time. And, I mean, he's just really grown me in a lot of ways. Uh, how is this church equipping us in these spiritual rhythms? Thoughts? I have a couple thoughts yeah. about that. Um, one is... And this, I say this really gently, because I don't know what motivation is behind this, but I would say, what, what do you need to step into this? Like, we have the Word of God. We have more information about it than we've ever had before. We have the ability to pray. We have the ability to fast. We have the ability to give. I'm not sure what we need to take a first step. It might not be perfect, but I'm not sure what we need. Otherwise, we're going to mess all this up. That's one thought. And I say that really gently because I, I get there too. Um, but the cool thing about being a part of a family and because we are part of a, an organization that has the ability to do some of these things, we do have a team of people who are meeting uh, once a month to talk about how do we keep these spiritual rhythms in front of our entire church family and what opportunities do we have and how do, how do we help equip them? Um, but in the meantime, I mean... I just feel like for myself, like, let's, I just need to take the step. I don't need to know anything more about these. I just need to do these things and let Jesus do his thing. Yeah, I, I think one of, the, one of the things that is hard, because we've, we've all grown up in a context where, and this isn't, this isn't a shame on anyone or, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a shame on the leadership of the church, if anything, but we have grown up in a place where the church provides the opportunity and the means for your personal growth in Jesus. That is not the way scripture teaches us. You 
are responsible to love and grow and become intimate with Jesus. There are people on this planet who don't even have access to an, to an entire Bible. There, it is illegal for them to pray. It is illegal for them to gather. And, and, there, and, and there are some of those people who are the most deeply connected with Jesus and his voice of anyone else. We, we and, and it is totally on them. And you know what would never come out of their mouths? I'm not being fed. That would never come out of their mouths. And you know what? They've never heard a sermon in their life. Because that's, and, and I think part of it is that we've grown up in a culture where we are educated way beyond our level of obedience. Every one of us in here knows more about scripture than we obey. Myself, unfortunately included. Um, so, so, but, but here's, here's what I would say in answering this question, because again, I, I, I assume, you know, I think this is a great question. Um, here's the thing. Um, probably unless you're commuting or have the night shift, the point 6.30 in the morning on Tuesday mornings, there's a group of people who pray. And what you can expect is to show up and you'll hear how prayer's being answered. You'll hear people sharing with each other and we pray together. Not every person in the room prays out loud, but we pray together. Um, six o'clock on Thursdays in the point. The focus is more uh, of a global focus, but it's prayer together and that's, that's significant. Um, uh, we, we, did a, we did a whole series on fasting and gave resources and, and how, and even, even for some maybe who, maybe there's reasons a person shouldn't fast, um, but you have to take the step to fast. We can't make you fast. We invited the church into a day of fasting uh, in October and then came together, um, which was an incredible time together of worship and prayer to break the fast together. It was awesome. Um, we have Bible studies, we have groups, we have all those things, and, and all of those things help. But, but here's the thing, there is, there is no one else can grow my intimacy with Jesus. I have to. And I have to be obedient to that. And it's so easy for us to abdicate our role in becoming like Jesus um, to others and so, so yeah, I think there's and, and, and there's things that we also want to work into. But um, you know, we we've spent another, a lot of time, and and so um, yeah, and so there's organized things like that. There's structured things like that, and there's just a basic. Here's the thing: no one can structure you into a a deep and abiding relationship with Jesus because no structure is with you all the time. And Jesus is, and, and we have to be pursuing him like that. Also, if you're like looking for help, boys, um, and whatever, we, we're all community. So if you wanna grow in your fasting or you wanna grow in your Bible reading or your praying, we'll reach out to somebody else here yeah. that also wants to do that. I actually have a, uh, my friend Annie that goes to church here. We fast together on Wednesdays. So I don't do it alone. Um, I also, we get, I get together with a couple girls here and we pray and stuff on Mondays. So um, there's like room to, maybe you can be the one that reaches out and you can help somebody else here in this community, but you don't have to do it alone. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, see, why is a structured church bad? Wouldn't more organization help with when we feel the Lord calling us to do something? Um, I don't know that we've said a structured church is bad, but what I would say is it is very, very easy for us to rely on structures and then blame those structures for it not yielding what we want out of it. Um, and there is structure. I mean, and again, for example, um, man, I, I hate mornings. I am anti-mornings. Um, but since the middle of 2020 till today, um, I've, I've, unless I'm out of town or, or something like that, I'm here at 6.30 in the morning on Tuesdays to pray. Um, and I have found, again, this isn't a way to go me, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and for me, I can think of no better place to be on Tuesday morning at 6.30 than be in that group because it's incredible. Um, so that structure is awesome. But also, if that's the only time I pray, I don't know that my relationship with Jesus is going to go anywhere. Yeah, I think a lot of these questions just kind of revolve around the concept of, of things are not inherently bad. And I want to make sure that we say that. Like, structures, uh, uh, organizations, like tips and tricks, those things aren't bad at all. They can be really helpful, but they're not our hope. And, that's, and it, that can be difficult for us to do because it's like, it's like what I said when I was sharing. Like, the problem is supernatural, but we are so drawn to, like, flesh and blood responses. Yeah. Um, and they're not necessarily bad, but they don't get the job done like a truly supernaturally transformed heart and life. And that's what, that's what we want to leverage, whatever flesh and blood tactics we have to support um, as we grow, continue to grow as a church family. Yeah. Um, I guess last, maybe last question, because we're, we're very much out of time. Uh, can we do both? Um, uh, be more like Jesus and elect officials who speak truth in our society. The evil one is moving. We must be active in civics, too, uh, we're called. Um, here's, the, here's the thing. I, I think we should vote for people who are going to speak truth in our society. But here's the thing. Biblically, it is the church's responsibility to be the prophetic voice and the shepherding voice in whatever community and society it's in. And sometimes, again, very similar to maybe a theme that's developing we cast a vote and expect that to work. And I don't know that Jesus has said that the gates of hell will not prevail against a government that is proliferated with people who love Jesus. He said the gates of hell won't stand against the church. Um, so we're not saying not to vote for good people who are honest but it's the witness of the church that lasts beyond the end of the age. Uh, and, and I think it's important not to forget that actually prayer, as Kyle said earlier, um, are we putting our hope in solving supernatural spiritual problems with the ways the world solves problems? Um, and I think you, sh you can vote and you can pray. But I'll tell you what, prayer is way more powerful than my vote.
That's, that's what I would say. Yeah, and so at the end of uh, every time we get together, we want to throw out a few practices uh, so that there's something we can actually do when we leave here. If you haven't caught it yet, we have a number of personal and group practices that we've talked through, and that's, that's the one side of it, that, that we would encourage everyone, whether it's alone between you and God or whether it's with a group of people, to start to put some of these rhythms into place in our life. And meditating on God's word, prayer, fasting, and giving. Just Maybe even just start with one and, and just take a step into this however you can. But then there's also a little bit more of a structured practice uh, that Matt's gonna share about that is exciting for the future of our church. Yeah, so um, if, you, if, if God's kind of hitting your heart on this and you're interested and you kind of take some time to maybe pray, maybe talk about those maybe in your household, um, you can email equipping at cpmodesto.org. Um, and here's, here's the vision. Um, what if our church became undergirded with houses of prayer? Um, and what I mean by that is this. Um, for those who maybe say, you know what, I want to open up my home for prayer. Um, and so those of, those of us who say, I want my home to be open for prayer, and, and being houses of prayer all over Modesto, maybe Turlock, maybe Ripon, Manteca, whatever, wherever, uh, wherever we are, Riverbank, um, that a group of people, people who, who feel God moving them this way, to say, you know what, I will ha- I, my house will be a designated house of prayer at Cross Point. And so maybe for an example, it would be this. For those people who open up their home, let's say we were, we were to say, hey, this Wednesday from 12 to 1, ideally on many people's lunch hour, we're going to calling the church to pray together. And so you go to whichever house is closest to where you work or where you live, and you may be gathering with people who you are not best friends with, you don't move in your little circle, but they're people who are part of the church family, and we're gonna be praying during that time at all around our city, and it's close, ideally close enough because people are opening their homes like that. Maybe it's a crisis that happened. Maybe something big happens in our community and there's an emergency, and we send out and say, hey, go to the nearest house of prayer, and those people are ready, and go, and we're gonna pray together. We, get, we need to, the church to gather and pray. And, and that, that we have our houses open like that. And so, but those who want to open their houses and say, yep, my house will be a house that is available to be a house of prayer. How awesome would that be if that became part of our family rhythm in this church? where we would just go to those houses. And, and what, how many things would, would, would we see happening in, in that context? And so we don't have that established yet, but it's something that we want to. And so if you say, you know what, man, I, I am interested in that. That sounds like something I would do. I, I think my favorite thing is I was talking to a couple people about this, and um, it was great because uh, he was like, man, I'm all for that in my house. I mean, you can show up at 1.30 in the morning in my house, I'll wake my wife out and she'll go out and pray for you. Um, and, and, and so, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's a, a, a part of this, but um, abs- like, I, I am super excited about what this could look like for our church family and what God might do through the gathering of his people, not just in the central place in the church building, but in our homes and, and praying together like that. So if you're interested in that, um, email me at, at equipping at cpmodesto.org uh, and um, 
for those people who respond, uh, we'll, you'll learn more about it and um, we'll develop that network. And um, I think it'd be awesome if not long from now, we are able to do that here in our church. Um, so yeah, awesome. Um, we're gonna wrap up. Um, I just like to pray for us. And I also just wanted to mention like, Candace has like a ton more stories that she didn't yes. get to share about like how God has used these rhythms in her life. Uh, just because some of the questions didn't quite lend to some of the things that she shared last service. But I would really encourage you, sorry, Candace, like bombard her afterwards <laughs> um, because it is really good for us to be able to see how these things flesh out in the lives of other believers, especially when we're like, I just don't see it in mine. It's a, that's an encouragement. It's a testimony to what God has done. So I'd really encourage you to, to do that. And uh, I'm just going to pray for us. And then after I'm done praying, prayer team, you can come on up. And if you are here this morning and you need prayer or you need to talk through something, there's some people down here who would love to do that. Jesus, you are so good and we are so thankful that you are so worth it. That's it, God. You are so worth it. Thank you so much that you've made yourself available to us to know, not just know about, but to know. God, I pray that whatever fears, excuses, whatever come into our mind right now, um, that would keep us from stepping into the things you've given us to know you really well, Lord, that we would trust your voice more than our own. And God, that you would just do a miracle in our hearts. Uh, that's what we need. And we know that's what you want to do. We love you in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you feel inspired and moved by what God is doing here at Crosspoint. Thank you.